Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Lamar, and joining us today is Monica Profit. She is the founder and CEO of Rise Housing. Welcome, Monica. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Juliette. So I'm excited to hear all about what Rise Housing is. So why don't you let me and the listeners in on what you guys are doing? Rise Housing is a blockchain-enabled platform that connects uh, people who can't afford or can't qualify for lending to get access to homeowner and equity access. They, it allows them to connect with people who are looking for liquidity, who own um, real estate assets and want to be able to pull some of their equity out of their property without having to go back and get a home equity loan. So ultimately, it helps people connect directly to have equity access and liquidity access on both sides of that equation. That's fantastic. And, you know, almost every day, I hear people talking about how it's so difficult to get into real estate and it's just becoming more and more difficult. And even with finding credit for credit cards and and just the simple things of that, it's getting harder and harder. Oh, yeah. You know, the 30-year fixed mortgage is a product that was invented a long time ago for the company man of the 1950s. You know, it used to be that you go out and you get a job and you get married and you have a kid and you get a house because you get a mortgage. And that 30-year mortgage is great because then when it comes time to retire from that same job you've had the whole time, then your mortgage is up and you finally own your own home and everything's fine. You can go on to your you know, predictable fixed income that came from your, from your pension as well as your social security income and it's all good. But that's just not the reality anymore. And that product is a great product for that particular person. But since that's not the demographic how do we end up serving, you know, a millennial market, a new market that's come where you have to be very agile, you have to change locations to change jobs, you have to be willing to move, or you want to move. We have global citizenry now. And that's just not um, what a 30 year fixed mortgage was intended to serve. So now if somebody does, uh, if they even are able to put all the money down that they need to and uh, qualify for that lending, and their student loan debt hasn't disqualified them from taking on more debt for a home, <laughs> they'll likely end up moving within five or 10 years, and they've paid mostly interest on that product. So uh, in the end, they don't really even capture a lot of the equity that they would want to capture because you don't really start making great progress on your mortgage until the second two-thirds of it. Wow. <laughs> it's like it's so and it's so true like it's you know you're saying this and I'm like yep 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 <laughs> yep yep and we all think well that's just the way it is but it doesn't have to be you know when I did a comparison for just equity access and I think people do get a little bit um, mixed up on what's equity access versus affordable housing I'm talking about mm. people's opportunity to use their money to invest early in life and that's really a huge part of what stabilizes the middle class and that's what sta stabilized our country. And without that stabilizing factor, we're seeing the middle class drying up and we're seeing opportunities for long-term, good, you know, leveraged investments not there for younger consumers. 
And if we watch that continue to play out, we're going to watch the middle class dwindle more and more and more. And without another backup plan or another way to, to look at wealth and look at opportunity in the economy, we're just going to watch ourselves slip back from our really dominant position in the global economy. You know, I just don't really think that we need to continue to watch wealth grow rapidly at the top and have fewer and fewer opportunities to even secure, you know, home ownership or access to a really good asset class like real estate. I just don't think that the mechanisms we have anymore are serving the population that we've become. That is so true. And, you know, more and more, I feel like owning a home is a thing of the past. And, and like you said, it doesn't have to be, but that is, that is the mindset moving forward because it just seems so unobtainable. And, you know, it's funny you should just call it owning a home because I think that's how most people have thought of it. Because the, the way that banks wrap that all together, it was, you know, you get the psychology of king of your castle, right? That's also <laughs> totally perpetuated by this movement into suburbia, away from dense, vibrant, diverse um, neighborhoods. So we watched this, we, we watched one type of movement happen, and now we're watching more and more people moving back into cities um, rapidly. And that's a global phenomenon that's been going on for several decades now, and it's only going to accelerate. So addressing issues that have to do with breaking that psychology apart, where you're not the king of your castle, you may end up living in an apartment building with lots of people who don't look and sound like you, they'll eat food like you eat, but you know what, you're part of the whole globe now, you're not going to live in this, in this isolated suburban environment there where everybody seems to be just like you and you get this bank uh, lending situation where because you had enough money from probably from your parents to put down on that property now you get to continue to live in that isolation it's not even what people <laughs> want to do anymore much less what is sustainable and so if we break that apart you know one of the features that people were sold on that they were given is with this mortgage you will be able to be the king of your castle you will also be able to do what you want inside of it. You will also be able to have it appreciate at a very stable rate because your environment is something that's very predictable to you. And then in the end, you'll be able to lend against it and you'll be able to leverage it and help your children or liquidate it and then help your children as well. That's the plan as it was kind of promoted. But if you break that up now, people are living in cities that are very vibrant where the idea of the king of your castle is, is something, I mean, how would you, how do you have a castle in such a dense environment? You know, everybody understands it. They have to be quiet. The neighbors on the other, are on the other side of the wall, for example. So our environment is changing and our psychology is changing with it. And with that, our need to be able to go to a, a place because the jobs are better there. That's, you know, going to constantly be the case. Now the average worker changes careers completely four times in the course of their career. That wasn't the case for the company man who got a 30-year fixed mortgage. So now if you break that apart, the one missing piece is how does a new young person just starting out in the working environment, how do they get access to that um, appreciating asset that they used to get when they got the company job and they got the mortgage in the house? Now in this vibrant, diverse, and, and really dynamic environment, we need to be able to take our equity with us. It doesn't have to be tied to the home we live in, but it should be available to us to purchase and own shares of. And that's really what the premise of Rise Housing is about. We're just securitizing buildings so that, you know, from the, from the seller's perspective, you don't have a $10 million apartment building and you have to seek somebody who can pull $10 million together to buy it. You can now put that on a marketplace and turn it into $10 million small dollar shares and let 10 million buyers buy it. And so you can still get your equity without having to wait for long, long, long closing times. 
And so that one special buyer who's got all that wealth, so the transfer of the wealth goes from one $10 million seller to a $10 million buyer. Now we can watch that wealth start to have an entry point for the one or, or $100 or $1,000 buyer. And it's still going to be the same good, solid asset in a dynamic environment. It just may not take on the shape of what a 30-year fixed mortgage used to, used to sell people. And by the way, sell people at quite an interest rate. Oh, definitely. And it's so funny when you were going through you know, the way things used to be done in the King Your Castle and, and you're the same person and you can do whatever within your walls. That I feel like to, I can only speak to my generation, but I feel like to my generation, that sounds really, really entrapping. You know, I want to live in a building where I see different people all the time and I am I'm constantly confronted with diversity and things that maybe make me uncomfortable because that's how you grow as a person and, and how you exactly. become more of a global citizen. Yeah, and a growth mindset. I think really what you're speaking to is, is a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And that's something that is also new. You know, that hasn't, it's not something that's been taught in schools necessarily, but it's definitely come up because we're now in a, in a cultural revolution where we're teaching each other faster than we're able to be taught by one centralized place. You know, decentralization, mm-hmm. I think, has already long been here before blockchain. And I, I think of it in, in terms of even Twitter. You know, 140 characters we now know is a lot more powerful than we first thought, but it's not a heavily regulated space. Um, if you think about what our government thought, you know, and what our government felt the need to regulate in, in the, the space of the media and of decentralized um, uh, distribution of, of thought and ideas, there was, there's really not a lot of laws around it. There's just, you know, the right to free speech, the right to freedom of the press, and, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But there's not a uh, requirement that you always tell the truth. Fake news has now, we can see that that has changed elections. So this distributed, you know, decentralized, uh, non-authoritative, yet multiplied, you know, I'd say diversely authoritative voice that we now can all listen in on. It's not always accurate, but it's, um, it's available to everyone. And it happened without our government thinking about what kind of laws they needed to put in place around that. Now, if you look at the other side of this, where we see blockchain enabling great decentralization in terms of an economic mobility, where people can now, slowly people are seeing through securitization and blockchain technology, it's going to be decentralized and people can access all kinds of investments in the same, you know, an equivalent of 140 characters, a very small increment amount, which means it's distributed, it's available, and it's accessible to the small increment investor. But there's a lot of regulation around that because we kind of lived through some of the catastrophic events that could show, like, you need to protect the consumer. You can't have bad uh, investments available to people. So it's this very regulated space that hasn't really caught up to really what blockchain is, which is, I think, kind of the, the Twitter of investments. Oh, absolutely. And, and I love that you bring, you're bringing like to like a wealth sharing economy because that is the future. We have ride sharing, we have, you know, uh, you know, Airbnb, yeah. we have home sharing, and now we're having wealth sharing. And the way that, that this, that our whole globe is going is, you know, we're global citizens. And this is just one more way of, of really immersing ourselves as humans and not as, you know, a specific class of humans. You know, we're just all on the same playing field, exactly. which is so beautiful. Yeah, if I have one overarching mission, it's really, um, it focuses on wealth redistribution. What I see as the opportunity of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency, yes, there are a lot of drawbacks in terms of there can be false statements made, there can be um, bad coins out there. But ultimately, when when we are able to 
when we're enabled by this technology to, to reach further and to be able to put our money in different places and to earn in different ways and to not have it all tied to a lifestyle of, you know, I have to live in this exact thing to make it appreciate. I have to tend this castle to make the castle appreciate. You know, and when all of that is distributed and disrupted, I think we're, we're looking at a really amazing new leap in, in accelerated technology that's going to have amazing cultural implications. And I'm excited for it. Oh, it's it's such an exciting time to be to be involved in, in this space. So for our listeners, they're like, yes, I want to do it. Uh, <laughs> give us some of the the how the how it works. So the how it works, it solves two problems at once. And we're not the only people out there securitizing real estate. It's just that we're taking the approach of looking at it really closely through the lens of the small increment investor. Because as when I think of it, every every company um, should be thought of as a social impact company because every company does have a social impact, whether they are proud of it or not. And when I thought about the potential of this technology, it wasn't just to get ha- faster liquidity and, and move around banks. I mean, the fintech thing is great. People who own big real estate assets understand it because they're very financially literate. And they say, great, cheaper liquidity. Meaning I can get my money out of that thing faster and for fewer fees. Great. Where do I sign up? Problems at once, of course, right? Cheaper liquidity for the person who owns a large asset and wants to be able to pull some of that equity out and not have to go get lending to do it. Um, That person is pretty understanding of this. They get it. They're financially literate. But the getting involved part on the other side of this is is really about um, the small increment investor. And one thing that we've kept close to the to the the root of Rise Housing has been that every company is a social impact company, right? Everyone, every every company has the it makes a social impact. So whether they're proud of that impact or not, every company really is making one. So we we really want to be conscious of the social impact that we are making, and that really comes down to the small increment investor. So a huge part of what we are doing is developing a financial literacy platform to engage those uh, those investors and show them the opportunities that they're going to have as this entire space opens up. And that's more than just real estate. Real estate just happens to be the easiest one to understand because everyone needs a home. Everyone understands whether they can or if they can't own a home in the traditional sense. So as we watch this whole marketplace of securitized real estate open up, we want to be on the forefront of educating people. So we've been operating and and working on this platform in stealth mode for a while now. And we've put our ICO on hold simply because, again, we don't want to just go running out and get a bunch of people involved who don't know what they're doing. And before the Securities Exchange Commission is really come to rest in a good place about securitized assets. So we're just trying to build as, as robust a financial literacy platform as we can. Very cool. So uh, if people can't quite participate yet, or when can they? Yes, they can't participate just yet. We're still in our development mode, and uh, we'll be unveiling that by the end of the year. But in the meantime, I've been writing a book called Blockchain 101, Fundamentals of a New Economy, which is due out in August of this year. And that's been also to, to the ends of, of trying to make blockchain as simple as possible. You know, I find that I'm either talking to people who really get cryptocurrency and they're deep in blockchain and they're my colleagues or 
they're my, my cousins or my family, my friends. And they're like, what the heck is this stuff? And <laughs> I feel like we're not going to, you know, the people, the first demographic are never going to really see the fruits of all their labor if we don't get the people in the second demographic on board. And that means making it as simple and easy and consumable as possible. So I've taken it on to, to really look at the small increment investor, but also just the crowd, um, the crowd consumer, whether they're talking about real estate, whether they own a home or not, how can we help them understand the power of this technology? Because in terms of the second wave of the internet, we're kind of in, I, people say, are we in 1996 or 1999? But I think that we are in the equivalent of the, of the mid nineties um, in, in terms of this new powerful technology and in terms of distributing the opportunity for wealth and engagement and, and investments, not just engagement in information, which was the first wave with the internet, of course. And, Right now, you guys are selling your token. You're selling Rise tokens. Uh, tell us a little bit about your token sale. We actually have put our token sale on hold because we're oh. not actually selling the Rise token at this point. Yeah. So if you want to cut that part out, that's fine. Well, never mind. <laughs> um, so when people when when this does when people can start participating, um, you know what's it going to look like? What what is the user interaction going to be going to be like? So here is the letter that I can't wait to slide under a tenant store. Hi, your landlord has brought their network, their building under the Rise network, and they want to liquidate some or all of their of, of their building, of course. So, you know, your building now is on the Rise network. Welcome to the Rise network. We want to let you know that we're the new asset management company for your for your building. But unlike any other landlord, we want to show you how you can now invest in this building as well. And we want to also show you that we wouldn't have any value or asset in this, in this asset unless you paid your rent on time, right? Because that's what makes mm-hmm. this asset worthwhile. It's, otherwise, it's just a pile of bricks and mortar. Thank you so much for paying your rent on time. And since you did, here are a couple of tokens to come onto our platform, and we're going to show you what you can do with them. Now we can onboard our tenants. And we can show them the opportunities to invest in their own apartment building or in apartment buildings around the world. And that's that's the engagement level. That's the that's the cycle that we're looking at. That sounds like a very exciting letter to get, because I think, you know, this is going to take a while for people to really catch on to the idea. And when it's presented to them in a place they're currently living, because a lot of people, especially in in areas that are in high demand, you know, they live and they rent forever because it is not financially feasible to buy or they have there's you know the rent is set so they're then renting for 25 years and they are already making improvements to buildings they are remodeling the inside because they know they're going to continue to live there and now it's going to feel more like they have it a piece of a piece of it right exactly and also a piece of 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 anything really so the way i'm looking at this is when when greece had great economic troubles um, you know, someone like Warren Buffett can look at that and say, well, wow, Greece is on sale. I'm going to go buy something there because they can make that level of investment mm-hmm. at that in that international sense. But, you know, I also saw that Greece was, quote unquote, on sale, but I don't have those kind of means, so I could never engage in that. Now people can become more and more engaged in the global sense and say, you know, I, I'm noticing that other cities are, say, emerging right now. I live in a city that's not emerging and I'm happy to keep living here, but I want to invest in St. Louis. Or in Nashville, I would invest in Nashville tomorrow if I could. I know all about what's going on in Nashville. I think it's great. Houston, there are parts of Houston that I would or would not invest in based on, of course, the floodplain. But there are different cities that (laughs) I don't necessarily want to have to live in. But I do know enough about that I would love to see my money grow there. And you're contributing to because you're, you know, you're putting your money somewhere to help that economy as well, because you are now also a global citizen. 
and are going to be exactly. putting yourself and your money in, in multiple places. Well, and the part that I really love is that these assets that used to be really large investor assets that would trade hands up at the top between people who could afford that level of investment are now, because those people want liquidity, they want to get out partway. They, they want to be able to diversify their portfolios further for greater stability themselves. Well, great. They can have their needs met as well. But there's been this real hunger on the part of the small increment investor where we haven't even had the chance to play ball at that level. So getting a chance to put, you know, even a thousand dollars into a really amazing uh, building that I know is never. What if I could buy one share of, of the Empire State Building? Why on earth would I not? But it's never been mm-hmm. available to me before. So this whole economy is so much bigger than just one company securitizing one group of buildings or one specific sub asset class. Like we are focusing on, on um, apartment buildings because we see that every one of those assets comes with investors built in living in it. Right. But. There are so many other ones. People are tokenizing the debt involved in in real estate. They're tokenizing the equity. They're tokenizing leveraged equity. All of these specifics, when really what I see is the larger part of this, where we need to make sure the crowd understands this enormous opportunity in this whole new securitized asset class. Absolutely. So, you know, people are interested, where can they, what's the best way to really follow this whole process and to eventually get involved once it launches? The best way to follow us is at risehousing.io slash press. Our press page has got all of the events and places where I'm speaking, the book when it's going to be out, which is in about two and a half weeks, um, and all of the, the latest things that we're up to. So that's where you'll find it is risehousing.io slash press. You can also learn more about me. I've been speaking and publishing on this for a long time now, and uh, that's monicaprofit.com. And um, so it's spelled M-O-N-I-K-A-P-R-O-F-F-I-T-T.com. And that's not a fake name. I totally got it from my dad. I had nothing to do with it. So <laughs> everyone's like, profit, really? I always have to say that. It's not a fake name. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> right? Well, Monica, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Future Tech Podcast and share your passion and knowledge and insight about this. And really, you know, thank you for creating such a, such a great stepping stone towards our future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the chance to talk with you, Juliet. That was Monica Prophet. She is the founder and CEO at Rise Housing. One more time, it is risehousing.io slash press to keep up with them. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Future Tech Podcast. This has been Juliet Lamar. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.